0: Everybody and very warm welcome to the Dublin Book Festival. Uh, my name is Sam Blake and I'm a crime writer based in Dublin and the founder of Murder One, you can see the poster just behind me here, uh, which is Ireland's International Crime Writing Festival. Um, we're thrilled to be working this evening not only with the Dublin Book Festival but with Dublin City of Literature and bringing you a really exciting event focusing on three other cities of literature and three other crime writers. Dublin received its designation in 2010 and it's the fourth UNESCO City of Literature out of um, 39 other cities. Um, it's a city of writers, as you know. Um, we've produced four Nobel laureates, um, two titans of poetry, William but- Butler Yeats and Seamus Heaney, um, the dramatist George Bernard Shaw and the extraordinary Samuel Beckett, and of course, James Joyce, who I'm sure is familiar with. Um, but this evening, we're connecting with three other cities of literature, Ray- it's a good start with the pronunciation, (laughs) Reykjavik in Iceland, Lahore in Pakistan, and Dunedin in New Zealand. Um, And from Reykjavik, we're welcoming Lelia, and I was practising your surname, but I'm really not going to try it now, having not managed to get Reykjavik right. Um, You're an award-winning crime and and screenwriter, I'd say, and your first five crime novels hit the bestseller list worldwide and won awards from the CWA International Dagger right the way through to the Guardian Book of the Year. Uh, your latest book is cold, of hell, cold As Hell, I should say, there we go, um, and it's the start of a new five-book series featuring, is it Aurora, is that how we say Yes, that? yes, that's yes. what
1: you see behind me.
0: Perfect, perfect. Uh, she's a multilingual forensic accountant who returns to Iceland to search for her missing sister, and it, it was brilliant, I loved it. Uh, we're also joined from Lahore uh, by Vish Khan, whose current book, No Honour, there, it. um, it's really an incredibly gripping, compelling story focusing on honour killing um, and trafficking, um, and a character called is it Ab- Abida? Abida, Abida,
2: yes.
0: Abida, that's it. This this um, entire interview is basically um, like just potholes full of pronunciation for me, so you have to help me out as we go along. Um, she finds herself pregnant when she's sixteen, um, but that's really only the start of her troubles in this book, isn't it? Um, Avish is a graduate of the University of Western Ontario and Durham University and he studied creative writing with the famous Faber Academy and his debut novel in the company of of strangers was published in much critical acclaim and uh, Avish teaches um, an online writing course don't you um, to people worldwide because it's on Zoom Um, and from Dunedin, swap books now, we have got Father Simon, hi Father, good (laughs) to see you, there we go, there is your book Bound. and as well as being a crime writer, you're also a TV presenter and a radio host and chair of the Otago Southland branch of the New Zealand Society of Authors. So no pressure on me here, with a, proper, a, real, a real live TV presenter on screen. Um, but your brilliant Sham- Sam Shepherd detective series has planted to number one in, New- in the New Zealand bestseller list and being shorted for, be, I'll try this again, shortlisted for the Nag- Nagio Marsh Award best crime novel and the John Creasy New Blood Dagger. So now I've managed to mess up all of that. uh, Let's get on some questions. (laughs) I love actually that all your protagonists are really feisty females. So we're going to have to talk a little bit about that later. Um, But we are completely reunited by our crime genre. um, But I also want to ask you about how living in a city of literature has affected your work. Um, so Lilia, if we can start with you, because you have your beautiful northern lights behind you there. Uh, tell us a little bit about Reykjavík as a city of literature and how that's impacted you.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I think uh, Icelanders in general are quite bookish people. We love books and we, uh, we, we bind quite a lot of our self-image to books. Uh, Reykjavík is a city of literature because of our uh, medieval literature, the sagas. Um we us, uh, we are very proud that we actually have a Nobel laureate, uh, halter laxness uh, mm-hmm. but um, we are only 330,000 people and uh, and having a Nobel laureate for a nation that you know uh, reads and writes in and speaks in a language that's uh, you know, it's just a miniature language is so small. Um, I think, it's it's very important for us, and um, and I think this uh, being as a, a UNESCO City of Literature is uh, was kind of a recognition of our status as a bookish nation, as a na- nation of readers and literature. So I think that's that's uh, was very positive for us, and uh, and for me, it's just. Uh, part of my you know self-image also yeah. as being one of those
0: people yeah that heritage. Writes. yeah I think I think that's wonderful that that that, that comes through um yeah, yeah in the same as Ireland is very a bookish very bookish sort of a place yeah. um Bandra, is that the same for you in Dunedin tell us a little bit about Dunedin and City of Literature so
3: Dunedin City Dunedin, of Dunedin, Literature sorry <laughs> <laughs> I think we're just gonna have to start again on the plan <laughs> It's awesome. Um, so Dunedin City of Literature, uh, I'm really excited to be part of the City of Literature and one of the very cool things for me personally was that we. I was at the very first meeting where um, a group of us got together and said hey, you know, let's Let's pitch Dunedin as a city of literature. Um, Extra special because my mum was here on holiday and so she came along to the meeting too. You know, it was that kind of a nice, relaxed thing. Uh, But um, Dunedin and this whole area is so rich with its history. You know, New Zealand um, and... it's literally seen to, to some countries, you know, Icelandic sagas may, may seem quite young, but um, you know we've got a, a huge history of um, oral storytelling with our Maori, and then also with our written literature as well. And um, Dunedin was seated very early on in the piece. You know, it was a seat it was a university. It had um, one of the first libraries here that was actually um, helped funded by um, Andrew Carnegie, you know, the American wonderful. philanthropist. Yeah, and we've got this wonderful history of um, poets and novelists and writers and drama and theatre so to, to tie that all in together and then get that recognition um, within New Zealand and then the world that yes you know we are a city of literature was really really exciting um and again as part of that um as a writer in a city of literature it's we're so supported hugely supported it's such a, a beautiful community um that the library and the people involved in the city of literature promote and are very very proud of our writers um, and wherever we are I know just even like our our local small writers through to our international sellers and people who do well overseas so it, it's a lovely nurturing creative space to to be in
0: that's wonderful and I think that's what that, what it's all about really isn't it it's about creative cities and it's about bringing those all of those things together in the one place. Um, is the same true for you, uh, Avish and Lahore?
2: Yes, so uh, Lahore is a city of 13 million people and it's always been the cultural capital of uh, the region. Um, and it's gone through several uh, upheavals. Uh, it was initially, we had the Mughals here uh, and then we had the British and then after that, the independence. But uh, throughout that, Lahore has always been the cultural and the literary capital and it has produced some amazing writers. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, people like Parveen Shakir and Manto and all of them. So, there, and there's this, I remember there's this place called the Bhakti House. It's, it, it was constru- uh, It was made in the 1800s, I think, and it's still going strong. So, uh, literary people from all over the country used to congregate there and talk about literature and everything. So, Lahore does have a very um, significant history of uh, literature. So it it did influence me because I felt that if I could do even a little bit to honor the city where I was born and raised, then it would be great. I would consider it an honor. So, yeah.
0: That's fantastic. And your first book, No Other Country, is set in, is it No Other Country? Have I got that wrong? No. (laughs) Tell me. No Country.
2: Yes. What's the uh,
0: the title of your first one?
2: In the Company of Strangers.
0: In the Company of Strangers. I'm doing really well here, aren't I? <laughs> um, that is set in Lahore, this is my point. <laughs> yes, <that> is. <laughs> and, but, yes. the, but the new book is um, set a, a little bit in Lahore, but outside of it, isn't it? Um, yes, yes. Yeah, so have you found, how did you find the difference between writing about the city and the country?
2: Oh yes, uh, I had to do a lot of research in order to get it right, because I uh, didn't visit rural Pakistan as much as a child. But for this, I had to do a lot of research to see how life was lived. And it really depressed me when I saw everything that went on in the villages in Pakistan. I mean, in some villages, people still don't know that Benazir Bhutto is dead and they're still voting for her party. And it's been 13 years, 14 years since she's died. You can just imagine uh, what goes on in rural Pakistan. So yeah, uh, but for Lahore, writing Lahore is always a pleasure. It's always... Uh, amazing to bring Lahore to life, uh, as I see it. So, that that wasn't too hard.
0: It's uh, yeah, that's fantastic. And and um, Lelia, you bring Reykjavik hugely to life in your books too, don't you? I mean, the setting w- with all of the books, we feel like I feel that like the the setting is a character. Really, it's it's a really strong sense of place. And um, was it hard? Was it was it a difficult decision to set it there for you?
1: No, uh, I've I have lived, you know, in many places in my life, and uh, when I was a child, uh, I lived in many countries. Uh, but when we uh, lived in Iceland, it was always in uh, in in the capital area, in, in Reykjavik or the, or the s- surroundings. And uh, it's 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 my place. It's the place that I know and I want to write about. So. Uh, it's always the heart of my stories. Even if they travel, like uh, my drug smuggling series, of course there was like uh, traveling back and forth from the country. But the 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 heart of the story is always Reykjavik, uh, and I like I like it uh, a cityscape in a way. And uh, and it's also it's like uh, every town in Iceland is so grounded in the nature. Everywhere in Reykjavik, you can see a mountain. You know, there's a blue ring of mountains all around. Uh, you're never far from the uh, from the country itself. Even if you're in a, in a um, we call it a city, but it is actually a town. You know, it's it's like one hundred and eighty thousand people.
0: Goodness, yeah, but you get you get that you actually get a very strong sense through the book of the. Yeah, of the the town and then the the area around it um yeah. aurora tra- you you've lived in loads of different places haven't you and been brought up in loads of different places and aurora travels from edinburgh to um Reykjavik. Yeah. so what's lovely i felt with her was that because she had been living away for a while she yeah. was coming back and she was seeing Reykjavik with fresh eyes um and i thought that was a really clever way of showing the city because me as somebody who hadn't been
1: there then was seeing it through her eyes yeah, and that was uh, there was something that I wanted to do because this has been the experience through my life is always coming back to Iceland and when you move away and you come back there's always something that has changed yeah. and you're kind of missing um, a place that was, you know, uh, especially Iceland is such a fast evolving culture, it changes a lot every year, there's a And also because it's a small nation, there's all sorts of fashion and trends and stuff that just comes and goes quite fast. Everyone kind of takes up uh, a custom all of a sudden and then, you know, they they don't, you know. So uh, it's always kind of a surprise to come back. And I wanted to kind of describe that experience of a character that, um, you know, comes back home in a way, but it, is it your home or is it you yeah. know that sense so, something of else now?
0: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I thought that was it was it was really very well done and it was really interesting. It was really interesting to see it through her eyes. Um, but yeah, I thought yeah that that sense of dislocation of where is home came across really clearly yeah. because she yeah. very much feels like she's in two different places the whole time, doesn't she? Um, yeah. And compares herself to her sister the whole time because it's her, that particular book is is about the search for her missing sister. Um, and so we're propelled through um, through the story. Um, it's great. It's really. I mean, I, I loved all the books. Actually, like your your style is flows, and I just was hooked, gripped by all of them. Um, Sam Shepherd, Vanda for you. It was was it was it an easy decision to base it in in, in your hometown, or did you um, did you, you know, were, you, were there questions over that? <laughs>
3: um, when I first started writing the Sam Shepherd novels, I wasn't living in Dunedin. Actually. Um, so I had a young woman come to Dunedin as a student yeah. uh, and did my undergraduate degree here in pharmacy and then moved away again. Uh, and the first name shepherd novels was actually set in Matara, which is a very small town, um, probably about two and a half hours mm-hmm. south of here. Uh, and then from um, Matara, Sam moved to Dunedin. Um, in that time. My family and I moved to Dunedin, moved back here as well, as, as fate would have it. Um, so it sort of was like the, the perfect, happy uh, intersection of the life events that, that brought me back here. Um, but one of the... Uh, Choosing to write the novels in firstly Matara and, and then Dunedin um, wasn't actually that difficult a decision because I'd always been captured by um, Dunedin as a city and the South Island just felt very much like heartland New Zealand for me and this is where I wanted to set my novels. So um, Dunedin as a physical city, you know, it's, it's beautiful. We have um, hills surrounding a beautiful harbour, you know, there's a green belt, it's you know, a lot of um, trees. So it's a physically beautiful city, uh, but also it's um, it's one where the weather <laughs> is so variable. You know, there's a, there's, there's a great crowd of house on four seasons in one day, which pretty much describes here. Um, you know, we're in spring now, about you know, a week and a half ago, there was snow on the hills. And then you know, a couple of days later, it was 18 degrees Celsius. So um, the weather, and we can have driving Southerlies that come from the Antarctic and whip through. Um, then we can have norwesters that come across from Australia and it's really hot winds. so it's hugely variable and that almost brings another element to, to the city itself and how the people um, who live in that city um, react. One of the other fun things for my character, um, he was talking about Reykjavik <laughs> being a town. So Dunedin's like 120, 130,000 people. So it's it's a small city, but it's a complete one. So it's got everything you need. But my character, her view of it's quite different because she came from a little town of 1,200. So for her coming to Dunedin's like coming to the big smoke. Yeah. It's all very exciting, slightly threatening a it. Bit odd, um, so I think that physical environment's very much influenced by your character's perceptions of it. Whether they're coming from a little place to a big place, coming home from being away for a while, um, or, or not, can can make a huge difference. So it's been it's been lovely living in Dunedin and writing about it and using its quirks and characteristics that you know, it's got gothic-y type buildings it's got modern buildings it's slightly manky around the edges you know it's not a polished town it, it is what it is i enjoy celebrating it by sallying it with bodies and murders
0: <laughs> i think that's wonderful it's, it's great to have um, any location where there's lots of contrasts where you've got um, city and then you've got you know country the mountainous areas and then volcanoes and levia's book i think i mentioned aren't they and um the um it's I think that gives you wonderful contrasts, um, and for, certainly from a reader's perspective, um, it makes it so much so much more interesting to read um, because we really get to see a whole different um, side of the city. Um, and if you in Lahore, as you as you said before, um, Avish, it, it very much is countryside, and it's the city. Um, you get a real sense of the um, the number of people. So we've talked about populations here. Um, for you, people are a big issue, aren't they? In uh, you've got quite a big population. There. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, yes. Uh, overpopulation is a huge issue in Pakistan, and we have one of the highest birth rates in the world because uh, birth control is actively discouraged for some reason. I mean, not by the government, but by people. And uh, yes, so Lahore is uh, growing at an explosive rate. Uh, it it's uh, the population is just exploding. So that means that Lahore has uh, places where, that are very posh, that are very nice, very beautiful. But then there are places that are not that great and quite, uh, they can, the crime rate is quite high oh. there and be a bit unsavory. And then there's the old city, which is literally crumbling to the ground. It's not being taken that well. I mean, they're making efforts to do that now, the government, but it's a bit too little, too late sort of uh, situation. So that's where No Honor is set, actually, uh, where Buddha comes to live. It's old Lahore, mm-hmm. so it's not exactly the World City. It's actually a little outside of the World City, but in Anarkali. So Anarkali is a very is a very popular bazaar. So I'm sure you know what a bazaar is. It's like a shopping area. So it's a very popular bazaar, very old bazaar. It's named after a courtesan uh, who was actually buried alive. Not buried alive, but she was sort of. Uh, cemented alive in a room because she fell in love with the prince the oh, royal prince so the king had her uh, be, uh, sort of uh, cemented alive in a room and there she, and she died there so it's named after her and it's uh, and that bazaar is good and bad so she's in one of the bad parts of that bazaar and that's where she lives and so yeah, it was very interesting to write about these uh, areas because I haven't personally spent a lot of time there. But for this novel, I did go and spend time there. So it was a very eye-opening experience for me that this is also another side of Lahore that I'm not familiar of. So yeah.
0: And again, in fact, she's come from a small village, hasn't she? Out in the out in the
2: quite well, a long way. For her, it? yeah. For yeah, both. and so like the big city. Totally, <laughs> so, and, and,
0: yeah. And, and so we see it through her eyes again, which is great because that gives us a sense of what that city's Absolutely.
2: like. Absolutely. And Lahore is like, I mean, if you ever visit Lahore, you'll notice that it's divided into segments. So you'll you'll have a posh area and then there'll be an area that is literally very, very poor. And then immediately you're in a posh area again. So it's 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 a very different, different sort of city and it's all built very haphazardly. So you don't really have an idea of uh, where you are at any given time. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: Goodness. It's, it's, it's really interesting to hear about the, how different they all are. Yeah. Um, Lilia, what, yeah, why did you decide to write crime originally? What, what attracted you to it as a genre?
1: Well, I've always loved crime. Uh, I, um, I, I had very uh, bookish parents and my father is a very serious literature man. So he chose uh, reading lists for me when I was a child. So it was uh, serious, uh, heavy stuff that I was supposed to read and then my mom is a uh, crime fiction mad you know so uh, she recommended uh, crime books so that was kind of my enjoyment reading so i think uh, it comes from that i i want to entertain people i want to uh, i want them to Uh, forget about time and the time and place they are in and just enjoy the read and be transported to another world where, you know, there are high stakes and excitement and, you know. Um, I actually, I always enjoyed writing and I did, you know, write for school papers and stuff like that when I was young, but uh, I I didn't uh, write my first crime novel until uh, 2008 when there was an advertisement by a publishing company that they were looking for the new Dan Brown. So I thought (laughs) like- That's "Um, me? Yeah, that's me. (laughs) So I I wrote the novel and sent it in and uh, then, you know, it was like a snowball down down a hill.
0: Wow, that's a fantastic story. Yeah. That's really great. <laughs> and, and that's got. And that, were you already writing for screen before that, or, or uh, no? Actually,
1: that's a, that's a thing I've been doing for years. You know, trying to get myself into the screenwriting industry, and it's uh, it's very hard. It's very um, male centered. It's very uh, it's um, quite exclusive in in so many ways. But um, uh, now I am. Uh, doing that you know as uh, on on the side i write uh, a book a year and a few episodes of tv uh, and i think it uh, actually goes very well together because um, it keeps me writing it keeps the flow going in a way yeah. but i don't have to you know uh, but it's very diff- different uh, because in the screenwriting you have to get everything in the dialogue and so it's a very different technique. So it kind of um, gives you a break. You know, it's it's good to go back and forth and always still be writing, which I like. Yeah,
0: that's an important yeah. thing, isn't it? Um, and yeah. Vonda, for you, are you um, did you did you pick crime for any particular reason, or is it something that you
3: really read and loved, or or <laughs> did you just have this idea? What, um, like me going to, turning to crime. Th- Fiction was a very pragmatic choice, um, so uh, I was always an avid, avid reader, and so I just, you know, as a kid just assumed that, you know, I'd write books one day because, you know, I read books, that's what you do, mm-hmm. um, And but when it came to a time in my life where I was able to write books, um, I had a six-month-old and a two-year-old child, and um, I loved reading historic fiction and I loved reading crime fiction and I had to um, you know, examine exactly what I could do <laughs> with the limitations of having little babies and um, historic fiction really required a lot of going to archives, libraries, researching. This is, this, is, this is, of course, you know, pre-internet pretty much, Daisy <laughs> to. Yeah physically go in and do your research in places you know um but to get it accurate you, you know you had to put that work in and you know you might not have noticed but archives and libraries don't like babies and yeah. things that pull with you and you know <laughs> make, you noise. A yeah. Yeah, make noise so I thought oh okay well crime writing it is so um it, yeah it, it was just a really really pragmatic choice um, also Writing really appealed to my inner scientist. So, you know, I have science-type background. Yeah. I love that whole the forensic brain. side of things and the science and things behind it. So, you know, it, it certainly didn't feel like a really good choice to make. Um, in fact, the only time I've ever won a writing competition was for a six-word. It was one of those um, six-word story competitions run by our local newspaper. And so I put um, my story, that, that one was called Had Babies Drove Me to Crime that's <laughs> so perfect. I'm laughing at you saying the historical fiction is tons of research and crime fiction
0: isn't because in fact getting the crime fiction, the detail and detection oh, yeah. and it's huge. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> but I think as you say you're a scientist and that 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 mind is a very logical process, isn't it? So perhaps that's what helps you along the way. Um there. But there's a lot, I think there's a lot of work there. You, it wasn't an easy option. <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> But it's great. now as you pick a detective too, is even more um jumping in the deep end isn't it because yeah. you've got to make sure that the um, she knows what she's talking about
3: yeah I had the advantage sense. I had a um no, someone in the family who was had been a former police detective and I had a, a tame um neighbor who was a police detective and his wife told him that he was going to have to talk to oh. me if I enter here to answer my questions Excellent. so that worked perfectly that's what you need isn't it and that gets you that sense of um of the culture,
0: I think, of the force in the area. And that comes with the She's very sharp and she's very witty and she's you get a real sense of her being a, a police officer within a within a unit and everything. It's she's fantastic. Um, avish your books are slightly different. They're not serious books. Uh they're standalones and um they're classified as crime, but um they it's not quite it's not the same in this in the detective sense, is it? Um, but this I mean there's a lot, there's a lot going on there's a lot of bodies and things happening certainly in um, book to read I mean certainly certainly as a woman reading it a western woman reading it it was quite quite an eye-opener to say the least um so why why did you go that route in terms of when you when you were thinking about your first book what,
2: well um uh, for me it was uh, like Wanda says I was always an avid reader but I never thought that I would be a writer because I just never thought I'd have the skills to write a book, especially in English, because English is not my first language. So uh, it was, ex- it actually came as a surprise because I was encouraged in college. And then when I took the paper course, and uh, it, it, I just, the, the feedback and the, and the support I got from everyone, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I think I can write. And In the Company of Strangers was very, it, it was like, like Vanda says, it was a very pragmatic decision for me. I'm sorry, I'm just parroting whatever Vanda says, because really, that's exactly what I went through. Because I've, I move in a certain section of society in Pakistan. So I had a I had an idea of how people uh, behaved in Lahore. So that's where the idea for In the Company of Strangers came in. With no honor, what happened was that I initially wrote a story about this. And my agent took one look at it and she's like, What? Is-? She's like, You have to expand this into a novel. I was like, I have no idea how this thing works. I can't do it. And she's like, Give it a try. If you can't, then it's fine, but give it a try. And around that time, there was this um, uh, news about a high profile murder of a social media celebrity in Pakistan whose own brother killed her in cold blood because he felt that she was dishonoring the family. And that got me thinking that if someone as popular as this girl, Uh, died due to uh, this uh, thing about honor then what chance do women in rural areas have and who will tell their story where where do they uh, how to tell their story so I was like if I can do anything to to shed light on this gruesome practice then I should so that's when the research started and then I visited the rural areas and I saw whatever was being done there and I interviewed people and it was, just, it was such a depressing picture, and but that is where No Honor came from. And I think it's just that as a writer, I feel I want to, I need to write about issues that are happening in Pakistan. I mean, this might make me very unpopular in Pakistan. I mean, it has, but uh, I can't let that uh, affect me. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, but it's amazing because the characters, the characters um, although they're very much, um, the female characters are struggling that feel like they're struggling constantly. Yeah. Um, you've got some very feisty, strong female characters in there. Um, how did you have, and you write the female voice really well. So how did you, get? did you find that difficult or was that something that you just kept working at?
2: I actually, uh, it's actually pretty surprising because some of the bad reviews that I get, they say that this, uh, it's, uh, this guy it doesn't seem like he's ever spoken to a female before, so I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> but yeah, I do think that uh, it does. It, it does uh, both Abida and my uh, previous book uh, protagonist Monas. Their voices came to me very strongly, and I felt very strongly for them, and I it felt very natural to write about them. Whereas the male protagonists were a bit difficult to get into, which is I don't know what it is, but yeah, I do feel uh, that. Uh, uh, female characters I write about are much stronger and I like them to be strong. I want them to be strong because if they have any hope of surviving, surviving in Pakistan, they have to be strong.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And were those reviewers male by any chance?
2: Some of them, yes. Some of them were female, but yeah, it's just, that's the thing. You have to take the good things and you have to take the bad things in in their stride, yeah.
0: So you always get always going to make sure there's always somebody yeah. who doesn't like it and somebody who loves yeah. it. So
3: this is the Absolutely. thing. So we
0: keep going, isn't it? Um, yeah. Lilia, when you were thinking about this new five book series, uh, what why did you settle on Aurora as your character, as your lead character? Um, what was it about her that attracted you? Sort of, how did she come about?
1: I, I wanted someone that returns, you know, and looks at the at, at my country from like uh, with an outsider's eye. Um, and I wanted um, a character that would be uh, a strong female, and both in the in the like uh, spiritual sense, but also in the just in the physical sense. Um, as you know, Nordic women are very big and strong, <laughs> myself included. Mm. Uh, and uh, but she is like a, like one step, you know further than that, she's yep. uh, almost a giantess. so <laughs> she's uh, very tall, very strong and she um, she uh, she actually cultivates her strength like quite physically. she yep. lifts weights and she uh, beats up bad guys yeah. Um, so yeah, that's um, it, it was a character that would uh, move through uh, the world quite a lot like a man would, you know, Mm -hmm. she's not really afraid of anything, you know, except the ghosts of her past or something like that, but not not any bad guys or anything like that. So she's courageous and um, her femaleness is not really an issue because she uh, just goes, goes through. So that was uh, like uh, interesting for me to make a female character that would just, um, face all sorts of situations with a lot of confidence, you know, yeah. in herself yeah. and her abilities.
0: Yeah, well, she certainly does that for sure. <laughs> she's great. She's great to read. Actually, she's um, yeah, she's very confident, and I love the fact that she has this technical side um, because she's an accountant. So she's and she's interested in sort of this chasing money, isn't she, around the world?
1: Yes, yes, office. and that's. That's another thing that we are. Uh, Iceland is still recuperating after the financial meltdown of 2008, when mm-hmm. when all our banks collapsed at the same time, uh, and there was a lot of money that got lost somewhere, somehow, yeah. and uh, it's quite a lot of it is probably being kept uh, here and there in in tax havens in the Caribbean and we're not, and mm-hmm. Aurora is one of the uh, one of these types that are quite important for Iceland and Icelanders, which is um, um, financial investigators. So she's like a a sniffer dog for money. So uh, she looks for money in hidden places. Uh, I think that's an interesting kind of uh, detective work because with hidden money, there's always something dodgy going on around it.
0: That's it. I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was a really great premise, and it's and it's interesting because you've got that little bit of technical stuff going on. And I always love in a book to learn something new about a place yeah. or or a, you know people or whatever is, is and and I think certainly with her as a character, I learned a lot about that side of things. Um, and the chase of the money. Um, yeah, we had a bank collapse here too, and ours didn't didn't fare too well. So I can sympathise hugely with that. But no, she comes across. She is she's a proper giant, and she she's a great yeah. big character. <laughs> so. Bada, when you were writing Sam, what, what, how did you, how did she evolve for you?
3: Well, hilariously, when I first started writing the Sam Shepherd books, um, I started writing from the perspective of a male detective, oh. uh, but it just wasn't gelling for me. And then um, one day my husband did something just so completely dumb that that I thought, I cannot understand the man I married. <laughs> how on earth do I think I can write? a novel about a man. So I changed the character to um, a, a woman and she just appeared on the page, all attitude and um, fully formed as it were. And it was it was like it was meant to be. But hilariously, complete contrast to Lillia's character. Um, Sam's barely squeaks in over five foot tall. Yeah. And so I, I purposefully made her physically small because um my mum only came up to about here but she was small but mighty and she always lamented that um because she was little people didn't take her seriously so I decided okay I'm going to use that as a strength because if people don't take you seriously they underestimate you so people very often underestimate Sam you know she's she's very smart she's intuitive um very empathic and so she uses her size as a strength and she's also got you know She suffers a little bit from that attitude. I'm little, so I've got to make myself big. Yeah. (laughs) A wee bit as well. Um, So, you know, she was definitely influenced by mum, but another um, influence on her character was, uh, as a young woman, I read a lot of Elizabeth Peter's books, and she had this wonderful um, character called Amelia Peabody, who was the first, as a young woman, reading really intrepid woman who went out there and broke down barriers and things like that. So, you know, there's a certain influence there as well about creating someone who was, um, you know, not what you might expect. Exactly. I think that's great. And, yeah, because she is tiny,
0: and, and I think that's the thing where people underestimate. And that's wonderful to turn people's assumptions and readers' assumptions on it on, it, their head, on its head, isn't it? So uh, the characters don't quite know what to make of it. I think she's great. She's re- I really really loved her. And She's very she is witty and she's funny and, and she says so, she jumps straight on the page they all do actually. Um in terms of um being sharp and um really focused um I you, your character um is, is certainly she's she really has her wits about her all the way through doesn't she and it's and it's her wits and her sharpness that carries her through to the end and and you know, I'm not going to give them any spoilers, so I'm not going to tell anybody what the end's about. But it's uh, she needs that, doesn't she, to, to navigate her way through this very, very male, um, almost anti-female world that she finds herself in.
2: Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, in Pakistan, the, the, there's a great deal of misogyny and it's kind of like ingrained in our society. Which is why uh, females have to be stronger, and this is where Abda. I mean, she's not very educated, so she sort of, uh, she she's not been to school, but she learns uh, how to write uh, from her younger brother. Yeah, I love that. And so she's very resourceful. She's very intelligent, and if she had uh, gone to school, I, I mean, who knows what she could have achieved? But uh, yeah, so she's not uh, educated at all, but she is. Uh, she knows. She has a wits about her, as you say and that really helps her later on in the novel as well and she's also someone who is uh, who doesn't take any nonsense so if uh, for, if in, in at the start she if you read the initial chapters she's totally not taking any nonsense 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 at all from her uh, mm-hmm. boyfriend of sorts so so yeah and she doesn't take any from her parents either so yeah so there's a, there is that uh, streak about her So, yeah, it was very interesting for me to write that character because that uh, confidence uh, sort of got her through all the hardships she faced later on. And everyone thinks in Pakistan that if you uh, move to the big city, everything will, every problem will be solved. And we have thousands and thousands of people, uh, uh, hundreds of thousands coming to the cities. But life in the city is not that easy at all. And that's what Abhada discovers when she comes to Lahore
0: yeah it's quite different isn't it well not what she expects yeah no not at all yeah yeah it's a it's a tough old world um and i think i I think that's what comes through all of the books um i love the fact that female protagonists i write strong female protagonists too and um i like women so i really really enjoyed them all um talk to me a little bit lily about your process are you a plotter and a planner just a bit we've just got a
1: couple of minutes left so
0: i'd love to find out how you write
1: um, not really, <laughs> I'm, I, I, think, I think I'm a very instinctive writer, I, uh, I, it always starts with the character for me um, and I know it sounds crazy, crazy but they like kind of come to me, you know, um, I almost hear their voices yeah. and, um, and then I kind of uh, build the plot around that. You know, uh, the, it always starts with the character, then I build the plot, but then, you know, I usually, nowadays, I, because I have written nine books now, mm. um, when I am halfway through, uh, I, I I only plot, you know, half the book and then I see, I, I usually know where I'm I'm going, you know, how I'm going to end the book, but I, I don't plot except half because, when I'm halfway through something happens and the story kind of takes over and I mean you all know this uh, it it can kind, kind of you know uh, goes in different paths that you expected and that is also the fun thing and the difficult thing about writing is um, is trying to control the story when it's it's flowing in a way yeah um, but I I mean the books that I have plotted most are my best. So maybe I should do a little bit more <laughs> plotting. I know it would be good for me to be a more uh, organized, you know. Uh, but I like like going with my instinct. I'm quite impulsive in that way.
0: Oh, that's great. It's when that's when the magic's happening though, isn't it? Really when, yeah. when the when the story takes off. founder how do you approach something? Are you a plot and a planner or are you an instinctive writer too? Um
3: I'm, a little bit in the middle um, so I um I'm a very visual writer so I tend to see things in scenes and then sort of describe that onto a page um, definitely not a all-out plotter because I think I, I just get really bored if I knew exactly what was going to happen yeah yeah Yeah. so for me writing is is, as much discovering what's going to happen you know but like literally it's like you're channeling something sometimes and you're you're busy typing away and you think you've got an idea in your mind what the character's going to do and suddenly they do something completely different and you're like what what (laughs) just happened now now? (laughs) yeah so I tend to have um you know when I have a book idea I have like Four or five pivotal scenes in my head that and things that I know are going to happen, and I generally not generally know how it's going to end. Uh, so I kind of use that um EL Doctoro driving at night yeah. analogy where you, know, you kind yeah. of know where various mm-hmm. destinations are, but you can only see what's in the headlights in front of you at the time, and you've got to sort of act on faith that you're going to get to your destinations. Yeah, so yeah, and it's yeah, just trusting your instincts and your um, subconscious and that the story is going to come, um, and, and and enjoying the ride. Mm. <laughs> yeah, trust the process. Avish, for you, plotter, planner? Uh,
2: I, God knows I try to be a planner. I mean, I draw up these wonderful outlines and everything, but when I do end up writing, when I start writing, I don't even look at that outline, and I'm like... <laughs> why on earth did i waste all that time on this so it's uh, the characters take over the story takes over as lilia says instinct take takes over mm-hmm. and i just don't look at the outline so i'm definitely a pantser mm-hmm. and i don't know why i waste time planning everything so yeah you can totally be a pantser and still write a good enough novel and then you can leave the rest to Karen to sort out <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> this is karen like, this is karen karen yeah. who's, uh, who's uh who was who yeah. a publisher actually in fact all of yours publishers. I didn't yeah. even realise when I was talking to you originally and looking for people in different cities of literature that I was going to wind yeah. up finding this amazing publishing house, uh, Render Books, who yeah. publish people from all over the world um, into English. So it's, it's exciting. Um, very, very quickly, we've got four minutes left, so I just want to ask you about libraries in your area. I mean, you touched on li- libraries in the Carnegie Library um, the Dublin UNESCO City of Literature is very much run by our library service with amazing libraries here in this country. Um how are they for you in Lahore? Are they are they popular uh, or are they are they there?
2: We we don't have any libraries. I mean we do have one in I think one in Lahore Jinnah Library, but nobody mm-hmm. really uses it and they don't have the books that anyone might want to read actually so yes we're very much low on libraries and which is why piracy is such a big issue in Pakistan that the people who can't afford to buy original books they Mm -hmm. end up buying the pirated ones I mean if there were any libraries they could just go ahead and borrow those books so yeah we definitely need to invest in libraries and I hope that if someone from the government is listening in (laughs) please invest in libraries so yeah yeah absolutely and Lelia for
0: you how, how are libraries in there
1: yeah, they, they are, uh, there is a library in every neighborhood in Iceland and they, of course, with the internet and, and so much being available online, I think uh, the younger people are using them less, but uh, I think they're still important and now they have gone more into uh, like hosting events, hosting literary events and, and you know, events for the community. Uh, I think, I mean, libraries were so important for me when I was a child. Um, I, my, my, both my parents lent me their library cards so I could take like bigger batches I of books, books, you yes. know, because there was a limit how many you could take. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it is, uh, almost every writer I know has ha- had, had, access to books you know a lot of books at some point you know and libraries play a big part especially for people that uh, maybe don't have a lot of books in their home so hugely important yeah, and uh, yeah. and wonderful and wonderful institutions libraries are
0: it's definitely it
3: sounds like a nation of nation of book readers and stuff in iceland A for you libraries yeah, uh, well, they've been a huge part of my life from childhood as well. And um, Dunedin, we're really blessed with library services here. So we've got a wonderful central library, and it's a community hub. You know, like Lily said, um, they have all sorts of things, not just book events, but uh, music events. Like They celebrate using the music week by having music in the library and a, a place where people can come and gather um, and, and get books out. And also lots of little suburban libraries and libraries up the coast. And the other cool thing here is um, we have two book buses, which actually... Wow all the books and park yeah, yeah. up in various suburbs are around the place as well. So they take books to the people if the people can't come to the books. Oh, and that's yeah. why we have a listening. book bus
1: as well. Uh, it's a clever a, thing.
0: That's yeah. great. That's what you need to do, Avish, with that enormous library of yours. All yeah. of those spare books that you've got yeah. in that like, At least um, has an office with the, the biggest, he has more yeah. books. He's keeping basically. I, keeping, I Tommy, probably have uh, a heart attack
2: if I, if I were to lend my books to anyone because I'm very possessive. They're like my children. <laughs> so I have 4,000 children. <laughs>
3: <laughs> not let them happen. I can't. <laughs> I can see you now.
0: Yeah. Oh, dear, that's wonderful. It's, it's it's so interesting to hear about your, your places and your process yeah. and your characters. And um, certainly here in Dublin, libraries are massively important. And as you said, their community helps. Um, and providing books for, for everybody as well as events and everything else they're, they're really important places um so thank you so much for joining me this evening um and you're so good not to um pick up on my appalling pronunciation of every possible word that i could have got this evening um i've been practicing all day i wouldn't mind but i'm, I'm just never going to make the stage am i um so thank you so much lilia and iceland banda in I'm not going to say, Dunedin. say it. Dunedin. Dunedin, thank you. And Avish in, who's saying I had to practice the last time I interviewed in Lahore. Thank oh. you so much for joining me. Um, oh, I, I'm Beanie to you from Dublin and um, we are closing up for the Dublin Book Festival, but there are a lot more events happening this week and we'd love you to tune in. Um, so, and there won't be a bad pronunciation in any of those events at all because they're far more professional than I am. So <laughs> I do hope that you can uh, tune into the Dublin Book Festival um, and thank you very much indeed this evening for um, the support of Dublin City of Literature because this has been really exciting to bring all these people, four different time zones, four different crime writers, from four different cities of literature to, to you this evening. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>